0: up party animals <laughs> hey
1: hey um welcome listener to the 13th floor podcast i am Cece.
0: i'm alex i'm james
1: and this week alex what are we talking about
0: we're talking about genetic engineering
1: yes genetically modified humans
0: yes uh, specifically on humans
1: i can't remember i think mm. that gwen took the little piece of paper from us so i can't remember who submitted this topic
0: yeah, thank you for submitting the topic. Yeah, Gwen ran away with it earlier, and we haven't been able to find it, so. <laughs> so here we are. Yeah, um, you can blame our three-year-old.
1: James, what have you been up
2: to? Oh, man, I don't even know. When did we talk last?
1: <laughs> it's been a long time. It's been quite a while. I and my- I found
0: it. Philip.
1: Oh, Philip. Thank Phillip, you, Philip. Thank you so much for sending this topic again. I have been working so much lately and I've been having like back to back to back meetings and presentations with customers mm-hmm. and my voice is starting to go. So if I start to get a little bit raspy or I start to sound like a prepubescent boy during the middle of this mm-hmm. episode, please forgive me. Ooh,
2: oh, like, you sexy. Know,
1: yeah. Well, you know what I heard? <laughs> I heard that women with raspy voices are sexy. So I think, I think it'll be okay. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, that, that's always how it was for me. Like when I was a kid, you know, I wasn't on Team Little Red Girl. I was on Team Peppermint Patty. <laughs> I,
1: I could see that, James. Totally see that. That's um, a good pick. Yeah, Alex is a peppermint. He's a peppermint patty boy, too. <laughs> um,
0: peppermint patty boys in the house. <laughs> so, uh,
1: Alex, how have you been? You've been <laughs> <laughs> Pepper <root> Patty. <laughs>
0: oh man. Uh, doing good. Doing good over here in my, my neck of the woods. You know. Staying busy. Very James, very busy. But I'm glad to be here.
2: I
1: just want to say that I'm really proud of myself, James. Do you want to know why? Why? Because my watermelon plant is producing a fruit.
2: Hey, awesome.
1: Yeah! So I'm proud of myself. You guys, you could just call me Farmer Cece because I am growing a watermelon. <laughs> but she um,
0: was so proud, James. I got messages at work about how excited she was.
1: Yeah. I texted him and said, I'm so happy. I think I could cry right now because the watermelon plant, like it kept having flowers, but they were all like not fruit producing.
2: Fun fact, watermelon, usually the first flowers tend to be male because they are, uh, they actually have male flowers and female flowers. Unlike a lot of plants. So yeah. that was the deal, probably.
1: Yeah, well, that's the well, thing. It's It's gone through three rounds of flowers. And I was like, for sure, the second one's going to have a female flower on here. And mm-hmm. it didn't. And then they all died. And I was like, my stupid freaking watermelon plants are done. Mm-hmm. And then I went out yesterday and I'm like, I'm just going to look at the flowers again. There's not going to be anything here because why would there? I'm not lucky. And then <laughs> sure enough, <laughs> there's a little tiny little circle on the base of the flower. I said, oh, mm-hmm. my God
2: a oh, good deal
1: so, okay, enough about watermelons, you guys.
2: By the way, you know when to pick a watermelon one more thing when the bottom what? turns yellow, just remember that it'll also give up the melon pretty easy
1: and if you if you if you like knock on it lightly, it's supposed to sound hollow
2: and eh, i don't I don't like that that trick. go with oh. the go with the yellow and go with the giving up it up the vine easy
1: James Sick James. Burn, James, no, James. I am the farmer now. (laughs) Okay. All
0: right.
1: Is it time for some hearty hellos?
2: Yes.
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) Let me pull up my computer. Uh oh.
0: Oh. Oh, Cece's battery's dead. Oh my gosh.
1: So while she plugs
0: that in and it
1: I know some of our hearty hellos because I've been very excited about a couple of these. Okay. We have listeners in Italy again. And it has been quite a while since Italy has listened to uh oh. the thirteenth floor podcast so they're yeah. back in the game. You know
0: why? Why? Because they won their tournament. They won the Euro. Congratulations, Italy. Congratulations, yeah, Italy.
1: Much. Or is it because is it because I mentioned did I mention on the show that I wanted to move to a little Italian village? I don't know. I want to move to a little Italian village. So, listener in Italy, please tell me which village I need to
2: move to.
0: Congra- congratulations, Italy. You're on the list of like 30 places CC yeah. wants to move to.
2: <laughs> Congratulazioni. Grazie <laughs> for
0: listening. Uh, oh, I guess I need to do one. Grazie. Mamma mia. Okay, we right. did our best.
1: Also want to say hello to all of our listeners in Germany, because they've been listening again. And then, here, Alex, just pick any state. Any state, because we've got almost the entire map Missouri.
0: covered.
1: Missouri. All of our listeners in Missouri, thank you so much for tuning in. Listeners everywhere around the globe, I'm sorry that we weren't able to pull up the map because of my own lack of knowing that my computer needs
0: to be charged. Negligence. That's what we call that.
1: It is. <laughs> um, but thank you for tuning in wherever you are listening. If you have a topic you want to send us to throw into the vase, you know what? You can do that. You can definitely send one in. You can send them in to us on our Instagram page, which is now manned by James at 13th Floor Podcast, or email them to us at 13th Floor Podcast at gmail.com. <sighs> all
0: right.
1: James, <laughs> James, what's our icebreaker today?
2: Um. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We've talked about hybrids and things like that. And so I thought in a similar vein, you know, we've talked about what kind of animal trait you could have and all that. But I was wondering if you could have. If you could change one thing about yourself, whether it's genetic or not, could be, you know, behavioral. If you could change one thing about yourself permanently, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Jay, <laughs> you're
1: gonna make me, you're gonna make me wow. talk about my flaws on the show?
0: <laughs> Flawless. <laughs> Alex, um, you go first. Mm-hmm. I've got
1: to think about this one. I know that there's something physically I would change, but there's also like a ton of things that I would change okay. behavioral
0: wise. Mine's easy. I'll just give myself 2020 20 vision. <sighs> <sighs>
1: That is the perfect answer.
0: Yeah, I like me, so I just want my vision to be good.
1: Ugh, so you don't have to wear stupid glasses. You know what? I think I'm going to steal that. I'm oh, steal okay, that. copycat. <laughs> I would also, <coughs> uh, my nose has always been a really like sore spot for me, so if I could cosmetically change anything, it, I would just straighten up my nose a little bit because it's mm. a little bit like boop to the side. James, what about you, sir?
2: Hmm. If we're talking about, hmm, I suppose I would have the trait from that jellyfish that doesn't senesce at all, making it immortal.
1: <laughs> James would pop back into a little polyp, James. Yeah, and then grow back whenever he stresses. So who's going to take away. care
2: of you every time? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I guess I would need uh, some sort <laughs> of thrall, <laughs> which you know, some sort of slave, which I'll be talking about later in the show.
1: Oh, a Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, interesting, goodness.
2: Foreshadowing.
1: So, oh, my gosh.
2: Ooh. I'm just
1: imagining uh, James. And even when it's like, you know, they pop back into a baby. I just picture James except being miniature James. like he's Yeah, like me too. Pocket size. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets bigger.
0: I'm the only one who took the practical route of him being an funny, actual infant.
1: Because <laughs> that's what Alex is talking about, practical, like your, your vision stuff. Is that what you're talking about? Like practical change? Oh, yeah.
0: It's something you could do, yeah.
1: If I were gonna change something, what was my topic again?
0: Why are we diving into our topics? Who's going first? Okay,
1: you're right. Listen, James, my computer is currently charging.
0: I will say, oh no, if we wanna if we want do we wanna end on practical? Or do we want to end on fantastical? Mm.
1: <laughs> I think That's that James is gonna depress us all.
0: Yeah. Which is a good yeah.
1: Mine ends kind of also on a depressing note. So
0: Well, mine well mine practical practical's depressing. Of, <laughs> is practical Mine's not depressing, but it's uh You know, we're not getting superpowers, I'm just going to go ahead and tell everybody. Mm.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what? I think I want James to start out today.
2: Okay. Sounds good. Alex
1: is is giving me the finger right
2: now, James. Oh, man.
1: All right. Tell Uh, us about what you're talking about.
2: I am talking about dystopian component of genetic engineering. Because, you know, when we think of genetic engineering, I think a lot of times we think of making plants that are more nutritious. That's a common one. Golden rice. Uh, we've even touched up on that before. We think about preventing human diseases and things of that nature, gene therapy. But one thing that we don't really talk a lot about is the prospect of genetic engineering going awry. And even within fiction, usually when genetic engineering goes awry, it's because of some unforeseen consequence of, of the mutation itself. And next thing you know, you got monster people you know, just flipping cars over. But- what I'm worried about is actually genetic engineering being used to cause harm to people deliberately. I'm less worried about unforeseen side effects and more worried about, well, let's start with a history of the, uh, the human race. Okay, so a long time ago, there were people, and they lived in tribes, and sometimes they would see other tribes, and they'd say, hey, that tribe isn't our tribe. Let's kill them and take their resources. And then at so- some point, somebody had the idea. I mean, we're talking prehistory of saying, you know what? Instead of killing all of them, what if like some of them were our property? Fast forward, similar things happened as nations built. They're of a different nation. Fast forward, they're of a different social strata. And this is this is their lot in life. Fast forward, they're of a different ethnicity. And now we've reached a point where there are more human slaves than there have been at any other period in history. I know I've said that before, but it is frowned upon. <laughs> Your average person, at least in the West, isn't going to brag about how many slaves they have or or uh, mention at a Zoom meeting that their their career is, you know, the slave trade is human trafficking. But what if, and here's here's the issue with slavery currently. Currently, the reason why slavery has such a I mean, their PR is not doing well. People just really don't like the idea of owning people. And that's the key word there. People don't like the idea of owning people. And so then we end up in sort of this ship of Theseus scenario where it's, you know, you guys know the ship of Theseus because we've talked about that before. You know, how many parts on a boat do you have to replace until it stops being the same boat? Well, how many animal traits... Could you insert in a human genome before you'd no longer have a legal person before you cease to be a person? And as such, you have the same rights afforded to you as an animal or maybe not even those rights, because you are an artificial being. After all, you're a homunculus. You're not you're not even on the same status in the eyes of insert government here as a dog. That is possible. And we know now that there are international efforts, China and America, uh, to create people who have the genetic material. And I'm using the word people in air quotes in this instance because it is a philosophical question. People who have a number of genetic traits, sometimes as high as half of their genome, from another species or multiple species. Well, if, if such a chimera came into being... And was allowed to develop what rights would they have and that's what i'm presenting forward is human beings homo sapiens are currently seen as the most intelligent and sapient of all creatures it's in the flippin name we're homo sapiens well if you were to add traits from other beings to the human genome you're not likely going to increase their sapience or their intelligence and that lays the groundwork for the possibility of creating a subspecies or substrata of human man, of humanity who are going to be wired from pre birth to serve to be servile. And, and you know, you see people joke about it. You know, I can't wait for genetic engineering because we'll have hot cat girls that love us. We'll have we'll have girls with dog ears who are loyal to us, and it's like. That's kind of cute on paper when you say it like that, but if someone's engineered to be loyal to someone else, it's not really a pet Ooh. kind of scenario, it's a slave scenario. You're dealing with right. a master-slave relationship. And Good. likewise, the idea of breeding people for organ extraction or even let's let's imagine that people got so depraved. I mean, you got to remember, if someone has an excuse to mistreat someone, they're going to mistreat someone and you know this us versus them mentality it's a perfect impetus for psychopaths to mistreat people well what's eventually going to happen is you're going to end up with some elite social strata for whom the torture rape or even consumption of these these individuals might be considered acceptable and because you, you got to remember They're genetically different enough from us where we're not as worried about disease, as worried, emphasis on that. And then also, you got to remember, whoa, 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 it's not cannibalism. Whoa, 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 back off, you Puritan. They're not people. They look like people. (laughs) They taste like people. But they're not people. It, it, so what, what would end up happening, I think, in this scenario, if we did modify human beings and it got to a point where we started applying animal genetics to people and we're there, it's happening. We know that, you know, in this, it's this in this sense, Alex Jones is right. You know, Beijing's got pig people. They're slaves. Like, yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know if we're there yet, but we're certainly going there. And that's the depressing thing about my topic, because there's already groundwork laid for it to happen. There's already groundwork laid for this idea that, I mean, we're seeing it now with automation. Oh, well, there's just not enough people to do these jobs, so we have robots doing them. Well, what's going to happen if we run out of issues, if we run into issues making these robots? Uh, right now there's a rare earth metal crisis. You, can, you can't buy a flipping yeah. processor. What's going to happen if it becomes more expensive to make a tractor with you know GPS built into it? But it becomes cheaper to make a race of pig people who will do the work of that tractor. Hmm. It's a very frightening scenario, and it's one that I think is rather believable. Uh, additionally, they're going to be more malleable. You could, you could engineer. Imagine that. You could engineer people to be more malleable. In the, in the 19th century, there were slave rebellions. African slaves, that is to say slaves who were born in in the country of their origin, but originated genetically from Africa, uh, they got fed up quite often. Haiti is an entire country where that happened, where slaves rebelled and, and killed their masters. What if you could engineer people who are very low test and very placid and don't fight back and kind of have an instinctive desire to be loyal to the person who controls them and Oof. you know, you could do that. Hell, you could even engineer people who have uh, a tendency to produce tumors and die agonizing deaths, but you could inject them with that medicine and they don't have the right to buy that medicine for themselves because they're property and they're not seen as fully human. You could do that too. You could engineer a slave race who is wholly dependent on you for their own happiness, wholly dependent Oof. on you for their own health. And would any Would any people who were put in that position from birth, would they have any agency, any desire to rebel against you? No, almost certainly not. You know, we are what our our genetics are, coupled with our experiences. And if you made someone on a genetic level to be malleable and servile, well, at that point, does it cease to be unethical to enslave them? Now... In my opinion, it's incredibly unethical to even start down this road, but we have yeah. started down this road. And it is something that I would urge every one of our listeners to keep their ears peeled about because uh, – ears peeled. Eyes peeled. Ears unless peeled. you've been modified to have the, uh, the Microsoft <laughs> <Ears> brand <laughs> ear eyes, TM. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for, for any kind of signs of that because I do think it is coming. And to reiterate, there are more slaves right now than there ever have been in history, and somehow that often gets sort of swept under the, the – the however that expression goes. But yeah. a lot of people who are very averse to that and who are very awkward when we talk about that, they, they, they clam up and they think, oh, that's awful, but, you know, I mean, what can we do about it? A lot of those people, if they had the opportunity to own somebody who was – you know, they could justify it by saying they're not people – I think a lot of people would jump at that. It would, it, I think if they came out with a brand of, of Catgirl or whatever, I mean, that's just a hypothetical. Um, I think the lines would be just as long as when they launch a new iPhone.
1: Hmm. Ugh. I don't like that at all, James. Like, me neither. I knew that your topic would make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. But I didn't expect it to make me feel that uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, everybody should be squirming right now.
1: Yeah. I'm like uh, a fire
2: and brimstone preacher.
1: <laughs> That's James today. Uh, is it, I guess it's my turn?
2: It is. Sure.
1: Okay. Now I have been assigned the topic of genetic modification with a more utopian view, mm. which is going to end similar like, to James's with just a little bit of like depression. But anyways, what's a utopia, one might ask. Because mm. there might be people out there who don't really know, but according to Googs, a utopia is a quote, imagined place or state of things in which everything is perfect. And whenever I think of utopia, the first thing that comes to my brain is like, that's never possible because like nothing can ever be 100% perfect. You know what I mean? Sure. But for some reason it made me think about chocolate chip cookies, James, how do you like your chocolate chip cookies?
2: I like a variety. I like it. If they're crispy, I like it. If they're chewy, I like it. If they're soft, it don't matter to me.
1: It doesn't matter to James. James is not picky. Alex, how do you like yours?
0: I like it to be just a little bit of crispy, but mostly soft on top.
1: Okay, so I like them mostly soft. So, like, my idea of a perfect cookie is different from yours. So when it comes to Utopia, like, what I find perfect might very well differ from what you find perfect.
2: Right. My heaven is your hell. Exactly.
1: And... I think that's why this topic was so challenging for me because, like, it's it's kind of philosophical when you think about utopias; Mm. they're not really that feasible. But but the topic at hand is, you know, genetically modified humans in order to achieve quote desirable and or near perfect qualities within a human. Mm. So when it comes to editing the human genome in order to build people that are quote unquote perfect. There are a couple of applications where it's like something like CRISPR could be used. and might, might be found to be handy. I'm not going to talk about CRISPR too much. I think that Alex is. Alex is going to talk about yeah. it more. But I did find a medium blog by somebody named Ali Hader. And it's spelled A-L-I-H-A-I-D-E-R. And he's only 16 years old, you guys. But he wrote a very fascinating post just about um, how CRISPR could be used to improve humans uh, to be perfect. And I recommend you go check it out. He seems like a very, very, very smart teenager. But
2: mm.
1: one of the things that he actually listed in his article is that one of the things that comes to mind when it comes to genetically engineering humans to be better and perfect is getting rid of disease.
2: Mm-hmm. Go
1: buy cancer. Adios, horrible maladies. Like, you're gone. And if you could genetically modify a human's DNA, you could build out humans that are more resistant to illnesses and various things. For cancer, if you just edit a gene to prevent cancer from spreading, that would be nice. Um, or you could remove or replace pieces of DNA that cause certain types of genetic diseases, which sounds pretty rad. But the problem is that we have such little experience doing so, and DNA is so complex that if you change one piece of DNA, it could have unintended consequences, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the whole one gene, one trait thing. kind of goes out the window when you apply epigenetics to the whole formula.
1: Well, you know what else we could make if we use genetic modifications to create a utopia? Designer babies.
2: Yeah.
1: And I, this is something I remember hearing about when I was in middle school. People saying like, they're going to have designer babies by the time we're old enough to have kids. This is what I'm going to have. And I'm just like, whatever. But <laughs> they... um. They, it just makes me think about scientists poking all embryos with needles and making changes to their genetic makeup so they grow into these beautiful, healthy human beings. And there actually have been some designer babies who have actually been created. Yeah. In 2018, a scientist in China made the first one ever is what, what I read. But it was with good intentions in that case. He actually edited its genome to be more resistant to HIV infection. Um, mm. But that being said... You know, if somebody gets their hands on this tech and they want to make sure that they just have a cute baby, they might be able to do that, right? Sure. At this specific point in time, at least as far as I know we're aware of, and there could be scientists that are clicking away in little labs with their little however CRISPR works. But at this point, I don't think that we know enough about what parts of DNA control, you know, the shape of your nose or whatever the thing may be. So I don't know if that's possible at the specific time. But... (coughs) who? Knows, but do you know what all of the information reminded me of while I was doing what doing my research for this? It took me back <laughs> to that fateful dinner where the three of us enjoyed a nice little meal of enchiladas at El Rancho Tapatio, uh, which is where the first time in our friendship we all realized that we were fascinated by conspiracy theories mm. and just odd paranormal things. Do you guys remember that? I do, yeah. No. And do you remember the story that you told me that day, James? Hmm. He doesn't remember, Alex, but I do because <laughs> it, it affected me. But you told Alex and I a story about the magical mouse utopia experiment.
2: Oh, right.
1: Carried out way back in the 1960s. And I had never heard of the story before James told it to us that day. So, dear listener, if you've never heard about this experiment before, just sit back in your chair, grab a, a fresh beverage, and regale on the story but i'm going to toss to james and have him tell us right now just kidding,
0: just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm going no i'm going to tell it and i'm not going to tell it nearly as well as james could just because james is like an expert at that but way back in 1968 people were minding their own business but there's this guy named john b calhoun and he's a scientist he studies behavior and specifically overpopulation um but he built out this special home for, uh, I think it was eight mice in total, four couples. Mm. And um, the box It was basically a utopian situation for all of the breeding mice. And they had literally everything they could ever need. They had all their basic needs met. They had food, they had water, no predators, a ton of space. And the environment was built in a way so that the mice couldn't escape. So they all had to stay in this little area. It had all these little nesting boxes and comfortably this little environment could fit 3,840 mice in total. So for this experiment, he, um, he picked out the mice and they were all bred and handpicked as the healthiest mousy specimens for this experiment. So they also have their health, you guys, it was their destinies to end up in this utopian cage, but important to note, Calhoun, he had again, carried out similar experiments in the past and all of them ended with the mice populations just dying before they could reach cage capacity, or the rodents turned on each other and it was just a mouse bloodbath. Alex ate <laughs> each other's nasty.
0: But sounds about
1: right. He, well, Calhoun noticed that even with having ample space, the little mice would cram together, especially right before the little colonies would just like end catastrophically. And he uh, he ended up coining a term for this phenomenon called behavioral sink which is what he used to describe what he felt was the inevitable collapse of a society due to overpopulation. And his research caught the eye of the National Health Institute. And they were like, here's a whole bunch of money. Go do the experiment again. And that's what he did in the 1968 one. And he built, you know, his little special mouse town. And he wanted to, they wanted to see, could this research be applied to humans, essentially? Is this what humans are going to do if we ever reach population? It can, can a society ever be perfect? You know what I mean, Alex? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. And so he did this little experiment. It ended basically the exact same way as all of his other ones. As they started, the population started to grow. All of the mice started to fall into this behavioral sink where they would just like cluster into little groups. And all of the social norm normality just kind of disappeared between the mice. And so at a certain point, they just stopped breeding. They were very aggressive toward one another. They started using
0: Twitter a lot. They started using Twitter a lot.
1: And there were also – he called these ones the beautiful ones. There were certain mice that were like – they were above all the bull crap that was down on the ground with all the mice who were like "Ah," eating each other's heads off. They had
0: like perms.
1: They went – well, this is funny, Alex. No, they climbed up to the very top cages where like others Mm -hmm. weren't going because – all these mice were clustering together. Like, I don't know why. Mm. Um, even though the little nesting box next to theirs had nobody in it for some reason, it's like all of them went into one. Mm. And so it was really weird, but the beautiful ones, they would go up to the top level where it's like, Oh, there's nobody else here. And they would just sit and groom themselves all day. So they just took care of themselves, but they had no intention of like being with anybody else or, you know,
2: yeah. But it's important to note that male mice are naturally competitive. They naturally want to get a female and breed her. And so they fight. And so having scars from fighting is a normal part of being a male mouse. Just like being competitive and masculine is a normal part of being a human male. And I, it's just a bunch of parallels is where I'm going with that.
1: There's a lot of parallels, James. But at the end of this experiment, I think it took like two years, but all of the mice were dead by the end of it. Hmm. And it's hard to say. The only, the one kind of thing that you have to also consider here is that humans are a lot more complex than mice. So it's not. Are we? (laughs) Are we? (laughs) I feel like it would be harder to, you know, say, oh, yeah, when humans, when we get to that point, all humans are going to eat each other's heads off. But who knows?
0: I'd say we're there. (laughs) I'd say we're there. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking.
1: But the whole topic, it made me think of that movie, Gattaca. Do you guys remember that movie? Did you see that? Gattaca. Well, one of my science teachers, they showed us that. I think it was when I was in high school. They made us watch that movie. And everyone in my class got super philosophical about it because it's obviously a very heavy movie. It's a great movie if you haven't seen it. But I think that using technology to just genetically modify humans to create a utopia, no matter what you do, it's always going to have an unexpected, devastating consequence and that's where I'm gonna toss things over to Alex, who's talking about pragmatic use of. Yeah, I just want to say before
2: that, I'm very disappointed yeah. that you guys didn't catch my my play on Dog Day Afternoon with that little Gattaca chant. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I totally missed it. Okay. I didn't
1: hear it at all, James. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I
0: actually okay. haven't seen Dog Day Afternoon, so oh, uh, that what? makes
1: that makes two of us, Alex oh, and five. So, James, how dare you yeah. look down upon us for something that we just, you weren't aware <laughs> of.
0: That's right. Cece, I'm going to be honest, you stepped on my toes a little bit.
1: Uh, that's what I'm here for. I
0: don't appreciate it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but that's okay. No, not completely. So, yeah, I had the practical side of genetic engineering. Right. Yeah. So, I thought I had a pretty, honestly, I thought I had a pretty difficult topic. Um, I wasn't sure that there was any real practical uses or pragmatic uses for genetic engineering, but I think I was wrong in some <laughs> ways. Like, like Once I read about everyone receiving beaks to slow their food consumption mm. and encourage <laughs> weight loss, I was all in. <laughs>
1: Alex <laughs> wants a beak. Uh,
0: but, for real though, um, <laughs> there are some really interesting applications for genetic engineering. First off... It's going to be able to give us superpowers.
1: Superpowers. Yeah. But <laughs> not, not superpowers. Not,
0: but yeah, like superpowers that are not interesting uh, compared to what we have in superhero films. More like just like mild powers. Supers maybe an ex- uh, yeah, I, It might be a little overzealous term. Could
1: they make me like that Nightcrawler character who's able to just like flash- Teleport? Teleport from one <laughs> place to another.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking.
1: That's what I was thinking.
0: No. So the first power uh is gonna be the power of invisibility. What? Yeah, and and, th- and this is all thanks to futurescience.com. They had a lovely article about this. Thank um, you, Future Science. So when we do organ transplants, what is the biggest concern?
1: That the body's going to reject it.
0: That's right. That the original carrier of that organ is going to take over your body. What? <laughs> <laughs> No, (laughs) you're right, though. Rejection is the huge issue with organ implants. And even when things are going pretty well, like, even if a twin donates an organ, there's almost always some form of acute rejection. So, even, it's just, like, it's unavoidable. Even with, like, a ton of immunosuppressive drugs, like, there are there are so few occasions where your body doesn't at least try to reject the organ and our our immune systems are just so hostile that they actually reject stem cells that are made from our own cells. That's how hostile our immune systems are. And the cool thing is, is like with CRISPR, we could actually like, skip past all of this. We'd we'd be able to go a lot really far beyond what we would think would be possible currently. Like gene editing would allow them to edit the genetic code of like some of these organs so that they could successfully implant them into the body without any, without a fear of rejection, like stem cells. They're actually currently able to implant stem cells from one mouse into another mouse because of this. And even from human to humanized mice, they can move these cells between them.
1: What's humanized mice?
0: they are mice that have been humanized. <laughs> 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 I don't know how else to describe it. Okay. That's another great philosophical point though, you know, or Right? You know, how, when how when is a humanized these... mice just a mice? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they've been they've been genetically altered to be more similar to us.
1: Okay, alright. Keep going.
0: Yeah, so with CRISPR, rejected organs and stem cells could be a thing of the past. And so you could be looking at a lot nice. more successful transplants. Oof. Yeah. It could be really beneficial to just everybody. Um the next superpower Oof. is strength.
1: Well, I need that one.
0: Yeah, but not quite. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to help you, though. Oh. Um, This isn't like the strength in comic books or even maybe CC having a normal person's strength. (laughs) Um, Think of more of like a restorative strength. Like someone that has some sort of muscular dystrophy. In in specific, in this instance, uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And the reason I'm picking this one in particular is because it is tied to one gene.
1: Okay.
0: It's like really specific. So
1: you could edit that one gene to fix it,
0: right? Have you seen those
2: hypermuscular cows?
0: No, Uh, I haven't
2: seen this. What? Gonna Google that. Um, that's one gene too. So if you inserted that in a human, you'd basically turn like your average Joe into like a full-blown bodybuilder, just on a genetic (laughs) level. No, no workout required.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to you have to do these edits early on, but it's really like this. This edit is pretty simple. Like this gene can restore bodies. It can like well, allow them to restore the dystrophin that their bodies are now are not producing, which is, you know, that when when you have when you have muscular dystrophy, you are not producing dystrophin, therefore your muscles are just dying. Mm. They're just you're losing all that strength. And with this one edit With a a canine in vitro that they were editing, they were able to restore a heart to, or uh, yeah, a heart to ninety-two percent of normal levels. Mm -hmm. Wow! And they were able to restore its diaphragm to fifty-eight percent of normal levels. So, like, this is game changing. This could be game changing. They could really be helping people that would be having these diseases by going in and just like. Just a couple Editing edits, a yeah. I mean, they're pretty. They're actually pretty small edits that they're having to do to do these types mm-hmm. of things. Now, this last one is the one that you're kind of stepping my toes, step on my toes with, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. sorry. Then that's the resistance, and this is like a real thing. Like you were saying, those twins, all they did was, all they did was edit that one gene, and now they're immune to HIV. Um, whatever the other ones you stole from me were. <laughs> the cancer gene. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you can you can make someone immune, immune to anything, but yeah, HIV, smallpox, cholera—that's just cholera. one gene. Cholera, sorry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, th- those are just one gene. You fix that one gene, you're now immune to yeah. those three things. Huh? So there's a lot to be done to make you resistant. Now the question is: Is that's a should you do it? Because you know we don't know what these are gonna do, like just some edits to the ccr five gene will enha- will enhance someone's learning and memory capabilities. Mm-hmm. So you can make someone smarter. you can make animals smarter. like this is how Planet of the Apes starts. It's <laughs> editing the ccr five gene and them' just getting smart. and you can you can edit the intelligence like and like James was saying, you can do it to the negative effect as well.
1: James, James, how do they figure out which strand of DNA controls which specific thing?
2: Oh, it was a it was a really interesting story. Uh the human genome, when it got cracked, uh there were actually two people working on it. A private company, which had some scientists, but not all scientists, and then you had scientists. And it, it's a great example of thinking outside the box because the scientists were going by it one by one by one by one and the company in question they were literally just like blasting dna into uh, i think it was a, like some sort of gelatin and seeing which ones were more dense and which ones weren't so they were taking a much more sloppy approach but allowed but it allowed them to decode the human genome faster so it's just a fun example where you know, gosh I love I love how like free market stuff always finds an answer. You know, it's, it's, it's very similar when you think about it. Like corporate entities are a lot like organisms and it's like that, you know, life, uh, 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 finds uh, a way. Like it was the same thing. Like they had a task to fulfill and somebody found a way. So it's very cool. That's very
0: cool. Wow. But otherwise, like you said, CC, it's inevitably leading to someone trying to give someone superpowers.
1: (sighs) I think that it's a powerful tool that can be used nicely, but also very easily
0: misused. There's a real question. Like I'm okay with like editing organs that are just like being like, just doing that so that transplants go well. But then it's like any steps further than that. I'm like, do we need to, like if we can cure somebody of something, then that's awesome. Like with stem cells, Mm. But there, it's the steps past that where we're editing babies. I'm like, oh no! I, don't
2: I say we edit this. them, edit the hell out of them. Um, <laughs> I want, I want a dog sized jumping spider, and I want a dog sized British white cow. Checkmate.
0: British white. Cow? What about what about a cow sized human?
2: That'd be kind of fun
0: too. <laughs> uh, hey, there we go!
2: See, see, now you've convinced me. I wasn't on board with the, the cat girls, but uh, death by snoo snoo girls—that's a whole other matter. Oh, oh my, my god!
1: god. <laughs> well, with that, I think that that's it, you guys. For we can't end on a different note than that. <laughs> no, so.
2: and an army of
0: Amazons.
1: Is there anything else you want to add before we uh, draw from the vase for next week's
0: episode? That's our final episode today.
1: Yeah, okay, <laughs> Guys, we're done. It's been a fun run. Alex, no. No. We get oh, to do oh, from I'm this one vase. today. You're
0: right. I'm in the wrong vase.
1: All right. One second. There's not much in here. All right because right. today you guys we are drawing from the patreon base so thank mm-hmm. you to our lovely patreon subscribers thank you guys so much for supporting us again just because it's you know it's fun to make those little bonus episodes and to get to talk with all of you just yeah. on a more personal level it's so very fun. yeah thank you for supporting the show next week we are going to be talking about Manifestation, and this topic was submitted to us by my dear friend and our Patreon subscriber, Kate. So, Kate, thank you for sending in manifestations,
0: <laughs> which is fun good. because I've
1: been trying to manifest happier things in my life. So, will be that's a timely topic.
0: Good deal, um, sounds good to me.
1: Alex, who
0: does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find his music on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music.
1: Alex, that is probably by far the best. Accent that you've ever done before. Yeah, it really was. You
0: just went full bluegrass there.
1: Yeah. yeah. Thank
0: you. I feel proud. I would try it again, but I would just fail.
1: That's true. You would be thinking about it too much. Because listener, if this if you're newer to the show, Alex cannot do accents of any kind without sounding offensive. (laughs) So I think with that, you guys, until next week, we hope that you can
0: keep it strange. strange. Peppermint Patty boys in the house.